expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for all the best tips, strategies, news, and advice for reaching financial independence through real estate investing. And of course, one of your best resources for gaining financial independence and uh, particularly the education that you need to achieve and keep that is your local Real Estate Investors Association. And the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meets tomorrow evening at the usual location, the Community Action Agency building at the corner of Reading and Seymour Avenue. It's an evening for landlords. The early meeting at six o'clock is about how to evict your tenant when that when that unhappy things becomes necessary what the process is and what you need to look out for in eviction court. That is with Amy Higgins, a local attorney specializing in landlord-tenant law. The main meeting is how to be a landlord without losing your mind with local expert Missy McCall Hammonds, owner and or manager of over 300 units here in the greater Cincinnati area. She's going to talk about the systems that she uses to manage all of those tenants and all of those properties and yet still have a real life. That meeting is, as always, open to the public. It's at 6 o'clock for the early meeting, 7 o'clock for the main meeting, tomorrow, Thursday, July 21st. And you can get more information at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A.com. Or at 859-292-7342. Speaking of landlording, my guest today purchased his first rental property in 1978 after a series of misadventures with property managers. He learned for, from the School of Hard Knocks how to put together systems of his own and then began doing a very interesting thing that most of us have not heard of, much less gone out to try and attempt, and that is to master lease single-family homes from other owners and investors for the purpose of capturing the cash flow without having all of the uh, ownership liabilities and responsibilities. His wife and he now divide their time between Florida, Colorado, and world travel travels, and he continues even through all that to make tons of money on his master leases. Joining us now is Dave Tilney. Dave, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Vina. Nice to be here. 
I'm, 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 I'm glad you can join us because I know there's some health challenges there in your family. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time out to uh, educate our listeners about this strategy, which I, you have been teaching this for many, many years. But it's not something that you hear at the typical RIA meeting or on the on the on the usual speaker circuit. Uh, can can we start just by talking about what a master lease is? Sure. Uh, first of all, let me say the terms master lease and sandwich lease are fairly synonymous. Uh, you're taking a position between the owner of the property and the occupant of the property. Uh, my company would lease a property from an owner and then as a tenant and then turn around and sublease that same property to the occupant. Now, it doesn't have to just be from the owner to the tenant. You can have you know, multiple leases on a property, but that, I think, is where the discussion should start today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one thing one thing we we probably should mention uh, because there are folks who have heard of this. Your master leases do not include an option to buy the property. Yeah, typically they don't. When I got involved in this, I discovered that most times, if you attempted to do a lease option, the owners thought they were giving you more than just a lease, and they either wanted to charge you an inflated rent for that or they wanted to charge you some additional option consideration. And being kind of, well, uh, cost-effective, wanting to look for the best return, I really wanted the income from the property, and it was uh, much more cost-effective to lease the property, and also found that if I had a long enough lease, uh, the owners couldn't refinance, sell, or do anything else without negotiating my lease to go away. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so tell me, Dave, with with all the uh, with all the talk that is out there about uh, m- these master leases or sandwich leases uh, always being attached to an option to buy because that's where the real profit is because then you buy at a low price and sell at a higher price. You are making your money on these things. How? Well, first of all, the cash flow. I mean, that's number one. You need the cash flow. I think there's a lot of people that either optioned or bought properties in recent years that wish they didn't. I mean, the properties don't always go up. They go up, down, or sideways. Uh, but the cash flow is, is what I wanted to capture first. And and then, if you under-promise and over-perform and do a good job, you know, there's a very good chance that you can end up in ownership in the property if you so choose to. But by master leasing it initially, it, it's almost like you get to test drive the new car, drive it around the block and check it. I, I don't know about you, Verna, but I've found that in past, when I some of the properties I bought looked right, smelled right, tasted right, but once I really was in ownership, I found they weren't right, and 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 it's certainly a lot more difficult to get out of a title on a bad property than it is to get out of a lease on a bad property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, tell me, tell me just again for for some background for our listeners just before we get into the get into the jungle on this um, what kind of house is it that you are master leasing I mean it's a single family home but are we talking starter home neighborhood move up neighborhood border zone neighborhood how many bedrooms what's the condition of it at the time at which you master lease it what, what's your ideal property okay 
First of all, master leases work on any kind of real estate. I mean, they've been around for a long time. If you look at Hong Kong, it was master leased from the PRC, the People's Republic of China, for 100 years. A good part of Hawaii, which is owned by the Bishop Trust, the land, was master leased to developers who master leased it, subleased it to builders who subleased it, built condos and, and, and gave 60-year leasehold interest to the owners. So it's not a new concept. I mean, it's been done with hotels and, and everywhere. My The nice thing about a master lease is when I started buying houses, I had to buy what I could afford to buy, which wasn't much. And and some of the real estate that I bought, I bought some small multis, fourplexes, and, and other such things. I thought I got an absolutely incredible deal, but I didn't realize that because of the nature of the property, I was going to have to give the next buyer a pretty incredible deal to get rid of some of those properties. With a master lease, you can pick the best rentals in a neighborhood. Um, you can farm uh, the areas that, that whatever your your ideal is. For me, I like upper-end blue-collar, low-end white-collar. I've got the biggest group of people that, that can uh, utilize that property. The white-collar guy can come down to it without losing his self-esteem. And the blue-collar guy with a champagne appetite and the beer pocketbook he can move into it and he can trap himself and you can keep him a long time. That house for me in my market, which is Colorado Springs, is a three or four bedroom, two, two and a half bath, two car garage house okay. in a good neighborhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and But I've, I've certainly, I've got some high end stuff, which I don't like as much. It's, uh, you know, white collar tenants are much more difficult to deal with. And I've, you know, I certainly had all the 800 square foot houses too. So you can, it, it runs the whole gamut. My brothers are are, are the type of property I just identified. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and the condition I assume has to be pretty good before you would agree to to do a long term lease on it. Well, it really depends. Uh, you know, uh, I, in 1984, I leased a house for 35 years at a fixed rent. It was actually. It was a little house, and it was $375 a month, and it was a fixed rent for 35 years. And and initially, that house cost me money. I put in the yard. I put in new, new carpet. I painted the outside and the inside. But years later, when I was asked to remove my leads for half the appreciation on the property, um, I was getting $680, and, and that was 10 years later. It was economically, it made a lot of sense. So it depends. If you've got a long enough time period, you can maybe negotiate to do some of those types of things. Um, for a shorter time period, obviously, you want them fixed and ready to go. And, and there's enough low-hanging fruit out there right now with owners who can't sell that there's just tremendous availability of good rental housing, potential rental housing. Very good. We're I'm talking today to David Tilney about master leasing single family homes and the benefits of that. If you'd like to ask a question about this topic, give us a call at 513-772-9658 or toll free outside the greater Cincinnati area at 877-772-9658 or send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Dave Tilney, who is a longtime landlord and 
expert in the concept of master leases. And uh, Dave, you told me something interesting about uh, something that happened in 1996 when apparently you were you were managing a lot of houses for other people. And yeah, I was. I, I mean, after I started buying houses and 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 had to set up systems and procedures to manage my own properties. There was no reason not to take on the management of other people's properties to cover my overhead. Uh, In 1996, October, I decided I no longer wanted to be anyone's agent. I wanted to be a principal in every transaction. So we converted all of those properties that we had formerly managed under agency, where my fiduciary responsibility was to the owner, to a master lease situation where... The owner is working for himself, and and I and my company are working for myself mm-hmm. or ourselves. Mm-hmm. So interesting, interesting way to accomplish the same thing, which is, I mean, you were still managing the properties after October first, and you were still getting paid to manage the properties, but instead of it being a fee, the way, the way most property managers do it, it basically became the difference between what you were able to collect in rent and what you had agreed to pay in rent to the owner. So uh, that's correct. And if you do the the math, I mean, just from an accounting standpoint, if I'm a fee manager for someone, that's earned income subject to self-employment and what have you. If, if you are leasing a property, that's passive income goes essentially on Schedule E, and it's a different tax consequence. And just, you know, to to share with your listeners, $100,000 of net income for both, um, the taxes are over $31,000 for a fee manager and only $19,000 and change for uh, someone who is a master tenant on the same amount of income. Mm -hmm. So you gave yourself an instant raise, (laughs) even if you were officially taking in exactly the same amount of money. Um, so right. let's let's um, uh, wa- walk us through. And I know I know you don't really have a typical deal per se, because there's a a couple of things that we're going to get into later regarding performance leases and fixed leases. But but walk us through your typical perfect deal today. Yeah, that that is difficult because I'm not sure there is a perfect deal. I think what's so great about it is you've got these tools in your toolbox that you can find out what the owner of the property needs, solve those needs, and take everything else. Uh, Each negotiation is going to be different in that regard. In many cases, we're dealing with unintentional landlords that for employment purposes are forced to move. They've got uh, a house that that they can't get get rid of. And... uh, Typically, I will not master lease anything less than three years just because it takes a while to to shake down a property, kick the tires, and get it producing the way I want. My objective generally on a fixed lease is not to lease anything less than six years, and part of that is because of um, the Rule 121 that an owner needs to have lived in a property two out of five uh, if they want to claim up to $250,000 or $500,000 of gain without paying any taxes when they sell it, knowing that not all people have a big gain at this point in time. But I want to be in a situation where the owners need to come to negotiate with me if they want my lease to go away 
or maybe it gives me a better opportunity to renegotiate and purchase the property at a later time. Mm-hmm. And is there is there some minimum spread that you are looking for in terms of the difference between what you are paying the owner each month and what you are receiving from the person who actually lives in the house each month? I can give you several examples, but I can't give you a specific, and I certainly don't want to be accused of price fixing. Uh, if you're doing a performance lease, you're going to, uh, that's essentially going to tell the owner, I will pay you a percentage of what I receive if and when I receive it. If I don't receive it, I'm not going to owe you anything. Mm-hmm. On a fixed lease, uh, I'm going to have a greater profit because I'm going to an- analyze what is market rent, and then I'm going to take off what I think a, a management fee would be, then I would take off maintenance, and I would take off vacancy, and I would add one more component, and that component would be profit. Because if I'm willing to take the risk of guaranteeing the rent, whether it's vacant or full, um, you're, you're, you, it's, it's certainly all right for you to expect a, a greater profit in that, pro- in, in that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, let's see, we're starting to get some questions in here at askvina at gmail.com. I also want to remind listeners that uh, you can call any time with questions about this master leasing concept at 877-772-9658 or again, send an email to askvina, that's A-S-K-V-E-N-A, at gmail.com with any questions about master leasing. Uh, so, so Dave, let me, let me just sort of summarize where we are to this point because it's about to get complicated. You're finding owners who have houses that they are renting and that they don't want to be renting, <laughs> either because that was never their intention in the first place or because they've rented it for a while and they realize they're not very good at dealing with tenants or whatever the case may be. You are leasing those properties from the owners and then turning around and re-leasing them at a higher monthly payment one way or another to tenants who, of course, are going to live in the property. And your profit is coming out in between by uh, the difference between what you're paying out and what you are taking in. Uh, You are not attaching options to these leases the way many people do for reasons that you explained in the first segment of the show. So now, if I summarize that correctly, <laughs> let's... If I could make one, one minor correction, mm-hmm. and that is, in most cases, I'm not dealing what, with what are currently rentals. I'm dealing with, with properties, in most cases, that people can't sell, and they're looking for an alternative that, you know, instead of making them more money, I'm losing them less money. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I use that phrase in marketing... We're not going to make you money, but we will lose you less than you're losing right now with a vacant house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Um, so now let's talk about two of the uh, terms that you have thrown out there many times, as if folks spoke that language and knew what you were talking about. What is a percentage, or what is a performance lease? Well, a, a performance lease, you know, typically when I'm negotiating with, with an owner who has a problem they perceive I can solve, I'll start by saying, do you want to take the risk and you'll get the reward, or would you prefer that I take the risk and I get the reward? And if they're risk adverse, 
they want to lease it to me with a guaranteed income on a monthly basis, whether it's vacant, whether it's full, they know exactly what they're going to get. And that's a fixed lease. That's pretty simple. Uh, if they're not adverse to risk, then oftentimes a performance lease makes sense. And a performance lease is less risky to the master tenant because a performance lease, you will agree to pay the owners a percentage of the rent that you receive if you receive rent. And an example, and I'm just using numbers for example, and I'm not using real numbers absolutely intentionally, but you might agree to pay 95% of every dollar of rent that you receive to an owner, or you might agree to pay 75% of every dollar of rent that you receive if you receive it to an owner. But you would have no liability for any rent or in most cases, any expenses, unless uh, you receive the income first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. On a performance lease, generally, I, I cover no expenses. Uh, the owner pays everything a la carte, and, uh, and, and I just pay them a percentage of what I receive if and when I receive it. On a fixed lease, I may agree to pay some of the expenses up to a stop loss, and, and that would depend on how long a lease I had, how good the lease was, and, you know, what I thought was in it for me in terms of uh, cash flow. Very good. Long term profit. Now, we just got a, a, a question from Kent in Sarasota that I is, is so obvious that I'm surprised I didn't ask it earlier, which is who pays the taxes, insurance, repairs, et cetera, on these properties? Well, they're not my property, so the owners do. Okay. Uh, now, when you say repairs, let, let me back up on repairs and say again, on a performance lease, uh, the owners are going to pay. On a fixed lease, if, if, it's a, if it's a very simple fixed lease, uh, and even a performance lease, I might agree to pay a small amount like, uh, oh, just for example, 75 or or $100 a month uh, if we had those kinds of repairs. Because I really, you know, the toughest thing for me when I was in the management business is not managing tenants. I can do that very effectively. But managing owners sometimes could be difficult. I mean, owners think they own the property and they think they can call the shots, and, and that can be awkward. Uh, whereas you have more control on a master lease. So rather than have to make phone calls and communicate, I might agree to pay a small amount of monthly expenses if and when they come out. But on my lease with my occupant tenants, they would probably agree to pay the exact same amount, thereby I wouldn't be paying anything. Does, mm -hmm. does that make sense, or mm -hmm. did I? No, 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 that, that does make sense. And, of course, it, it brings up the question that <clears throat> all property managers run into, which is, what if you go to the owner and you say, look, the roof's leaking, we need a new one, and he just flat out won't do it? Well, again, the, the nice thing about this business is you get to draft your documents by design and not by default. And so in your lease with the owners, um, you can have a lot of clout. Uh, oftentimes on a fixed lease, if it's a good fixed lease, I'll have the owner sign a mortgage to secure that lease. 
and the mortgage essentially will say that if they fail to pay the taxes, the insurance, any underlying encumbrances, and don't do anything they're supposed to do in the lease, I can foreclose. So, I mean, I do put clout in my contracts. Uh, and then I turn around, and, and when I'm the landlord dealing with the occupant, well, then that lease is going to be very, very pro-landlord because I'm the landlord in that case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk more about Dave Tilney's master lease strategy. And we'll take your calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or via email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Dave Tilney. We're talking about a strategy that he has been exercising for decades now, and that is master leasing single-family homes, paying the owners a monthly rent and in turn collecting a monthly rent from the tenants that live in the property. You don't own the house, but you are fully in control of the cash flow of the house. If you have any questions about this strategy, give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You can also send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Now, Dave, you said something right before the break that I'm sure threw some folks for a loop which was that if your seller, the person who is uh, is your landlord here legally, uh, doesn't pay his underlying mortgage, which would be a big fear, I would think, of people doing this, or doesn't pay the taxes, or doesn't pay the insurance, or won't do the repairs, that you can foreclose on him. How is that possible? Well, you know, I, everything is negotiated between the parties, and part of my contract with him, a, a lease is, is an interest in the real estate. In fact, the IRS says if you have a lease for 30 years or more, you own the real estate and you can depreciate it. Um, I find leases are, are are just so incredible because you, you have the privacy, you have the cash flow. I mean, people will say to me, yeah, but what if uh, you guess the rent's wrong and they go down and you have negative cash flow? And my answer to that, of course, would be, is it easier to get out of title or easier to get out of a lease, especially if you drop the lease. So uh, if you can secure, a mortgage secures usually a note, but there's no reason why it can't secure a lease. It secures the promises in the lease. And in my leases with owners, my, my fixed leases, the owners promise to do those things. And if they don't do those things, I actually have the right not the obligation, but the right to do those for them, and and it automatically becomes a loan. And I've also negotiated that for every X number of dollars, I believe the last one I did was $100 additional that I pay. Besides receiving an interest return, I extend my lease for one month for each each time that happens. So you really do, I mean, the, the, the benefit of being in control of the documents is wonderful. And most real estate transactions, if you buy a property, you're dealing with title companies, closing companies, you're dealing with standard forms. You don't have a lot of flexibility. And in this area, you're able to make a, 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 a negotiate an agreement between a ready, willing, and able owner and, and yourself or your company. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we actually have a have a question sort of along those lines from John in Covington, Kentucky. He says, this is very interesting. I'm curious, when you are speaking to a seller who's been unable to sell, how do you position your service as being different or better than them attempting to rent the house themselves or hiring a traditional manager? Well, in my opinion, it's much better than hiring a traditional manager, if nothing else, because of vicarious liability. Vicarious liability being uh, the... the, if. uh, the liability uh, a principal has to the acts of his agent if the agent um, uh, causes those acts to occur while under an employment agreement. And the largest case that I remember hearing about that involved fair housing, where an on-site resident manager failed to rent to a family with children in the Washington, D.C. area, and the owner was found guilty to the tune of $2.41 million. Hmm. Now, that's a real excedrin headache. If you just change around and become principals, if that owner had not discriminated illegally in, in leasing to my company, uh, I've solved that problem entirely because I've separated. He has no relationship whatsoever with the tenants. And we disclose right up front on before we receive any application, the tenants have to acknowledge that they are renting from my company, which either owns or has leased the property, um, and and they agreed to look only to my company and no other person either now or in the future re- in regards to that that property transaction. These are my occupant tenants. So, I mean, that's a very, very big deal right there. But the other situation is that uh, they can't sell it, so that's out. I mean, the, you know, people can't get 20% down or whatever. It, it just is, is a difficult market. There are plenty of people who can't sell right now. And if they go to a management company, typically what they ask is, how much are you going to charge? And my response is, well, that depends. It depends on what your needs are and and what we need to do. Sometimes we don't charge a fee. Sometimes we guarantee the rent, whether it's vacant or full. We need to get together and share expectations. You need to know a little bit more about what it is I think we do. And I need to know a little bit more about your situation and your problem. And so there's a lot of benefits. I can, how many agents, when they're managing a property, can take out a $100 bill and give money to the, to the owner right there? Most of them have a standard management contract. It's not flexible. We're, they, they have a cookie cutter that it's a one-size-fits-all. This is not that. This is very, very flexible. You, again, you look at the needs of the people you're dealing with. You solve their problem. And, and then you see what's left, and you see if there's a way you can do business and have a profit in some format. Mm-hmm. Very good. My son-in-law, if I, if, if I, if I can just tack on to that, if, if, if it's all right, uh, my son-in-law was a sports writer, and he found he couldn't support my daughter and, and his three kids and a dog really as a sports writer, and he liked our lifestyle. Well, he got into the real estate business and he had no capital. We suggested he start master leasing. He's leased over 80 houses in just a couple of years, and, and he's able to support his family and have a very nice lifestyle. Excellent. Uh, question here via email from JC in Las Vegas. He says, please ask Dave to compare and contrast the benefits and burdens of a performance lease versus a defined amount, which does he prefer and why? 
I think if you're starting in the business, performance is safer because you only have a liability if you first get income and it's only a percentage of that. So clearly, as you're learning your craft, I mean, you've got to know management before you do this. There's so many things you've got to do right. If something happens with your lease above you, you have to be able to terminate the lease below you quickly. Um, so there's a lot of, and you really got to understand how to manage tenants. That's absolutely critical. Uh, so that's easier. There's greater profit in the fixed leases if you know how to do that very well. Now, I will tell you that I know someone who leased a subdivision to keep a builder going and keep his good crews going during a downtime, and he did have an option attached to it. But he guaranteed the rent to meet the uh, construction loan interest payments to keep this all working. And in the process, he guessed the market wrong, and he lost a million dollars. Hmm. approximately. And he had a lot more than a million dollars to lose, so he's still very financially stable. But that's an et cetera and headache. And, and on a performance lease, you don't have that. So I, I, again, I think it's much safer to start doing performance leases. And, and then you put your big toe in the water and you do a fixed lease. You see how bad it hurts. You maybe, you should have a portfolio of several. And, it, and what really dictates it are the needs of the owners that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yes, as as always in every part of our business, it's always about uh, doing something that makes the seller happy and you happy and the guy at the back end happy. I believe we need to take one final quick break, and I want to invite any listener who's got a question to give us a call at 772-9658 if you're here in the greater Cincinnati area, 877-772-9658 outside greater Cincinnati, and askvina at gmail.com, anywhere from the World Wide Web. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and my guest today is Dave Tilney talking about master leasing single-family homes, and all of a sudden the phones are blowing up. We have a call on line one from Robert in Detroit. Robert, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Good afternoon, Vina. Hi, Robert. Did you have a question for Dave? Yeah, I do. Uh, Dave, uh, we understand that you... uh you don't. You'd, you'd rather not. Uh, you'd rather uh, not give a, a spread, as Vina asked you earlier. But we out here would like to get some idea of what you're talking about. Uh, so, with that in mind, can you give us an example? And we out here know that the possibilities, one way or the other, are vast. So, could you give us an example where we get a dollar amount for the spread between uh, what you require from the owner of the property? and what you charge the tenant. I'll give you two examples. I'll I'll tell you how you can determine your pricing on a performance lease, and then I'll give you an example of one specific fixed lease at that time. Um, And the problem is the government doesn't allow discussing prices because then it can be deemed price-fixing and you have a problem. So I I think the answer is call all the local property management companies and find out how much they charge. And that's going to be somewhere in the ballpark as to what you're going to charge in a performance basis. Uh, You want to be competitive. You want the property. And again, it depends how much you want the property and how little you want the property as to what your spread is going to be. And so that can change depending on the property. Mm -hmm. Um, 
an example I would give you on a fixed lease is I had some folks that were very adverse to risk. And, and that is what I will ask. I said, do you want me to take the risk and I'll get the return or you get the risk, you take the risk and you make the return? These folks wanted me to take the risk. So then I, my next offer was, well, do you want me to lease it for four years at 995 or, th or three years at 995 and three more at 1095? And they took the second one, which led me to believe that I didn't offer a long enough lease. I subleased that property on day one for twelve ninety-five. So that that kind of gives you an idea. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now we should we should say, uh, um, uh, Dave, this and I, I neglected to mention this at the beginning of the program. Uh, your houses that you master lease are all in Colorado, if I'm correct about that. They are. And yes. Robert, you're in Detroit. Correct. Which is a little bit of a lower end market than most of Colorado is. Right. <laughs> so, I think another thing to think about is uh, uh, it, it's going to be somewhat market based. It's going to be com somewhat based on completely. You know, what 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 kind of rent are you going to get for that same house in Michigan that he gets out in Colorado? Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Okay. I have to take those percentages in mind. Right. Exactly. But I, but I think the key is if you're looking at a performance lease. Call competition, which is the, your local real estate property management companies, and tell them you're a landlord and what are they going to charge you to manage your properties. And if they're charging just, for example, 10%, then you could performance lease something for 90% of collected rents, and the net number comes out the same. If they're charging more, I see. then you can mm -hmm. lease it. You follow? I see. Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Thank you much, very much, Dave. All right, thank okay. you, thank you for your call, Robert. Uh, line two, Scott, calling from Louisiana. Scott, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, how's it going today, guys? Very good. Listen, uh, I have a two-part question here. Um, I would like to know more so about the the types of leads. Like, what do you do in terms of marketing, and also, what kind of properties uh, do you really go for? Are you looking for homeowners that own property for five or ten years, or looking to do some refis? Can you just Kind of, you know, lighten us about that. Okay, so homeowner demographics sure. and homeowner marketing is is the basically your question, right, Scott? Correct. Okay. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, let me ask you a question. Are you a licensed real estate agent or not? No, that's correct. I am. You are. Okay, because that may limit something that I'm going to suggest, and, and maybe not. I know it does not limit it in Minnesota, and it may not limit it in your state. I'm just not familiar with your real estate laws. Um, I, think the, I think the very best way to find the house that you want is identify neighborhoods you like with the kind of houses that you think will, you'll be able to maximize the most profit on, the most rent. And to me, first of all, that means you've got to have a separate bath off the master bedroom so that the, the parents don't have to fight with the kids to get ready for work in the morning. And, and I don't know whether you need garages, but certainly in Colorado we need, we need garages, and we need at least a minimum of three bedrooms. And I, if I have five, I, when I'm marketing it, I don't advertise it as five. I, I just don't want that many people in the house. But, but I would drive a neighborhood, get to identify a neighborhood, and then I'd walk that neighborhood and, and knock on doors and say, I'd like to lease your house. Now, in many states, and if you're not a licensed agent, you can look at all the ones for sale and walk up right past those signs, knock on the door and say, I can't buy your house, but I'd like to lease it. 
And you'd be amazed how many people say, boy, we've been trying to sell for 180 days and nothing's happened. We might do that. What do you got in mind? So, I mean, that would be one way to do it. I can tell you a lot of other ways. I, I have a friend in Fort Collins that got a list of uh, owners whose property taxes were sent to a different address, and he'd, he'd have someone drive by the house and take a picture, turn it into a postcard, and he'd send it to him and say, I guess you didn't know it was happening. If I can help, give me a call. There, there's so many good houses available right now because there's just a surplus of, of houses in many parts of the country that, that aren't selling. There, there's just a real good opportunity to, to pick up products. Mm-hmm. And Scott, I, I can promise you that as a licensed agent in Louisiana, you cannot cross another realtor sign in that way. However, uh, if you're familiar with Wendy Patton, she does tons of, of lease options, which is slightly different than what we're talking about here. But she she does most of them through other agents by going to the other agents and saying, if you have something that won't sell, I will lease it and I'll give you the usual lease fee, which is one month's rent. So okay, that'll be very yeah, and, but, and if I could just tack on to that, I'll tell you that I know of several states that it's deemed that property management is a different form of real estate help than property sales. And I know, for example, that Minnesota, it is not a problem for a property manager to solicit a business from a property that is on the market for sale. Hmm. I, but you need to check your state laws. This is, is always the situation. Mm-hmm. Very true. Did you, was uh, were those your questions, Scott? Everything was taken care of, so mm-hmm. I'm going to utilize that information and go forward. Thank you guys so very much. Okay, thank you very much for Great. your call, Scott. Good luck. Yes, and good luck with it. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Dave Tilney, who has um, many, many years' experience doing uh, various kinds of landlord, landlording management, but really loves these master leases where he gets to be the tenant. Only, of course, he's not the guy who lives in the house. He's just the guy who's agreed to pay the owner rent. Now, um, Dave, there's something else, and, and we've just got like three minutes left in the show. There, there's another part of this that we didn't even get to, which is that sometimes I know you personally do not want to be the person who's dealing with the tenant. You want you want someone else on the other side uh, for for whatever reason collecting the rents and taking the maintenance calls and so on, and in that case you do something called a stacked lease. Can you explain that? Sure. Um, when I started this, I had a firm that was very interested in doing business with me, and and they wanted some kind of a partnership, and I said, gee, the only partnership I want is my marriage. Uh, and, and, and I refused to, to get involved with them in that way, but I, I worked on it and worked on it, and, and what the part of the business that was not fun for me was dealing with the, the accounting, the receivables and payables. And I, since I have no employees, and I could not get my wife to handle that aspect of the business, uh, I figured out this essentially this Rube Goldberg machine where I would lease the pro- properties from the owners on a performance basis, sublease the properties to another company, uh, and then they would deal with the tenants and I would deal with the owners. And that was great. Uh, they had an underutilized bookkeeper that they wanted to use more. They wanted a little more income. But what they really wanted was me looking over their shoulder, fine-tuning their business, 
and I'm at a stage in my life that that met my needs also. Uh, and it also took a lot of the workload away from me because just paying bills, dealing with vendors, uh, that takes a certain amount of effort. Now, I don't do any of that with properties that I'm directly involved with or fixed leases, but on the performance leases, I still do that, and I've done that with several companies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So lots more creativity in regards to this uh, topic than we've really been able to get into in 40, 48 minutes here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. We did send out uh, an email with an article from Dave Tilney with information uh, more information about what he is discussing and about Dave himself. If you'd like to receive that, send me a an email at askvina at gmail.com and I will make sure that you get a copy of that. Thank you very much for being with us today, Dave, and sharing this uh, very well thought out and very interesting strategy. We really appreciate it. Oh, th- oh thank you very much. I, uh, anytime we talk about management, I... I I love to be included. It's just a wonderful occupation. I don't know what else I'd do. (laughs) Okay, very good. And don't forget the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meeting tomorrow night. It's all for you landlords. Early meeting is what to do when the romance is over. That's how to evict your tenants. The main meeting is how to create systems and efficiencies for your rental business with Missy McCall Hammonds. More information is available at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <music>